Over the course of the pandemic, the Gallup organization has been doing an ongoing study tracking American optimism. Now, back in May, as the vaccine was rolling out and the number of COVID cases were at new lows, not surprisingly, optimism was through the roof. In fact, uh, just three months ago, 85% of Americans said they felt positive about the direction that the pandemic was headed and the direction that America was headed in. Here we are. Three months later, and those numbers have fallen through the floor as we've seen the COVID variation cases really on the increase. And, and so many of the images that are coming from overseas, the humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan, uh, optimism is now down to 40% in just three months. And this represents so much of what we talk about here on the podcast, how many people live their lives in a state of reaction to the external world. We live reaction to reaction without taking ownership of our feelings and even believing that we have the power to cultivate a positive mindset when the world seems like it's a dumpster fire. This week on the Life Amplified podcast, I'm going to give you my best strategies to cultivate true optimism, even when the world's pessimistic. And we're going to talk about how to do it in a way that doesn't fall into what is known as toxic positivity. We'll explain the difference coming up. Welcome back. What is an amplified life? It's having amplified relationships with people who support and encourage you to be your best. It's having amplified energy to conquer the challenges of the day. And it's having an amplified career, one that's meaningful to you, the world, and your bank account. I'm Dan Mason, Life Reinvention Coach, helping you discover your calling and create an amplified life on your terms. This is the Life Amplified Podcast. If you think of this evolution of the pandemic over the last 18 months from this event that was terrifying, where the only way we could feel safety was to hoard all the toilet paper and hand sanitizer, into something that was just becoming a huge inconvenience in our day-to-day -day life, and now something that's really evolved into this long-term life-altering event, our coping strategies have also had to evolve. For some people, positivity has been a coping strategy. You know, they've really tried to focus on the blessings in the event, how taking that time to slow down and step back has helped them connect with their uh, spouse or their kids in a deeper way. Some people have used this time to reinvent a new vision for their career or to pivot into becoming an entrepreneur or business owner. But there's also the people that, you know, just want to love and light everything. And it's almost as if they're putting their head in the sand and not really dealing with the real challenges. So one of the questions that I hear the most is, Dan, this sense of optimism when the world seems like it's falling apart, both in terms of the pandemic, that we can't really get a stranglehold on this thing. And when you see all the things happening overseas, is it just irresponsible to be optimistic when the world feels like it's on fire? And I understand the question, but it lacks a serious understanding on what optimism is and what the difference is between being a genuine optimist versus toxic positivity. So let's define terms. Optimism 
is not ignoring the problems happening in the world. It's not just believing that you can do a visualization and send love and light and it's going to shift all the bad news or make it go away. Uh, optimism is seeing things for what it is. It's getting really honest with ourselves about the challenges that we're facing, either as a global society or just personally in your life. This could apply to your own health, your finances, the state of your relationship. It's about being radically honest about where you're at, but also even at your lowest moment, and it has to become a non-negotiable at your lowest moments, is an ability to believe that things can get better, that you can take action to make it better, that you'll be supported by the universe slash God slash source as you step into new action. Now, that is very different from toxic positivity. Toxic positivity, on the other hand, looks a lot like denial, avoidance, and it's really about dismissing your own unpleasant emotions, but also dismissing the emotions of others. You know, there's a lot of people who live in this toxic positivity, and you see it sometimes in the spiritual and new age space, where we look at anybody who is feeling negative emotions is that they're failing or that it is a weakness of character. One of the most disappointing coaching investments I have ever made in my life was in a group coaching program with a gentleman who uh, bills himself as one of the leaders in subconscious reprogramming. And the content of his course was very good, but the way that it is taught is that if you are falling into any sort of negative thinking, or if you're in a low vibe emotional state, that you just need to, by sheer force of will, push your way out of it. And quite honestly, it was like a 14 week program that I just quit and never showed up to after week five, because while I do agree that we have to take responsibility for our thoughts and our emotional state. One of the things that they did in that program is they refused to talk about trauma and they refused to talk about the impact of trauma on our brain and why it can lead some people to fall into repetitive pessimistic outlooks or living in hypervigilance where you're constantly afraid of threats. So on some of the coaching calls, uh, the clients would literally be in a trauma response and the coaches would just snap at them and play this clip from the old Bob Newhart TV show where he's talking to a difficult client and as the person was trying to open up and express what they were feeling, the coaches would just respond with, stop it. Yeah, but you know, you don't understand. I had this thing with my mom, stop it. And and then on top of it is they were trying to get people to deny the root cause of some of the challenging behaviors and thought patterns. They would shame people on top of it. They said, if you cannot move beyond your old patterns by the end of this 14 weeks, the teacher said, well, shame on you. Now, in this group coaching program, there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 900 to 1,000 students, and I went back at the end out of curiosity to sort of check in on the success stories. And sure enough, out of about 1,000 people, there were 40 people who, by sheer force of will, uh, were able to level up and create their business and finances. But the problem is when you're in this state of toxic positivity and you're not addressing the underlying trauma 
that's coming up for you, you can create success short term, but it becomes very hard to sustain. And meanwhile, you have this other like 900 people that are re-signing up to take the course a second, third, or fourth time because they believe that they're the problem. It was almost like they were shamed and they come back as repeat customers and the whole thing just felt really, really gross to me. But it was a program built on this idea of toxic positivity. You know, and what does that look and sound like in the real world? If you are in sadness or an emotional trigger, think about the things people have gone through over the course of this pandemic over the last 18 months. People have lost relatives. People have lost jobs. People have lost, you know, a a huge chunk of their net worth. But toxic positivity during those circumstances looks and sounds like, well, you just need to reflect on how good you have it and how other people have it worse. Uh, Toxic positivity could be like, well, uh, being angry right now is not going to solve the situation. (laughs) Uh, Toxic positivity, talking to somebody who lost a loved one, is to say, well, you know, they're in a better place now. Now, what are the effects of living in this place of toxic positivity? Well, number one, anything that you're repressing. You know, we look at all emotions as being useful and might even be appropriate depending on the response. Over the last 18 months, grief, anger, sadness can be appropriate emotional responses. Now, we don't want to live in it every day. But there is a period of time in which you need to feel those emotions. In fact, they can be really useful. If I had listened to the people in my life when I was at rock bottom and my divorce had fallen apart, who was like, well, Dan, you just shouldn't be angry. That anger and rage debases you. I would have cut off from the very force that caused me to change my life. All emotion at the end of the day drives behavior. Anger can be incredibly useful for people. You know, it's one of those things. It's like nuclear energy. You can use it to power the neighborhood or blow up the neighborhood. But any massive level up that I've created in my life has been driven by some level of anger about being frustrated and upset about the current conditions of my life. And I was able to channel that energy in a positive way that moved my life forward. And there were times when I have in my life, I've had people around me like, well, you know, Dan, anger is not spiritual. It's not useful. Yeah, screw you. (laughs) Any emotion can be useful. And certainly, you know, when you think about grief, if you, you know, got laid off from a 20-year job, if your marriage has ended after a number of years, there is a grieving process that you need to go through. And yet some of the toxic positivity thought out there are the people who's like, hey, well, the best way to get over your ex is to get under someone else, you know, just get out there and go get laid. Sure, you know, and I might have tried that for a period of time after uh, my painful breakup, and it was a great cure for boredom, but it wasn't really a cure for my own sadness and feelings of unworthiness. So the, here's the other issue, though, is that anything that we are repressing, sadness, anger, grief, the more you push it down, that repression will always turn into depression. When we're not able to let these emotions move through us, when we cannot express it, it almost becomes like a a, a teapot. 
on the stove. It builds up pressure and pressure and pressure. Eventually, that teapot has got to blow off steam. And when we don't allow ourselves to do it, that energy gets turned on ourselves. It very much starts to look like anxiety. It starts to look like depression. And so many clients who come to me who are stuck and unhappy have repressed so many feelings. And that can be conditioned from childhood. You know, think about what happened when you were an emotional child. Sometimes you might have just been crazy and expressing uh, insane amounts of joy and jumping on the furniture. Sometimes you might have been kicking and screaming and, and throwing a temper tantrum in the floor, but how was that received in your family of origin? Did people tell you that you're too much? That stop being an idiot, you're acting like a baby? Sometimes we're very conditioned to sort of repress all this emotion when it's the very force that that is connected to our purpose and the expression of who we are in the world. So, you know, that becomes the line between optimism and toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is about denial, avoidance, and dismissing your emotions or the emotions of other people. Now, let's flip the coin and have a quick conversation. What is genuine optimism? You know, the author Viktor Frankl uh, referred to this in 1985 as tragic optimism, which I think is very relevant for the period of time that we're living through. Uh, a, a tragic or genuine optimism is not denying the pain or the suffering or the sadness that exists in life, but it's about finding hope and meaning in the pain. It's about acknowledging those feelings and finding the bigger meaning in it. In fact, one of the most powerful questions that you can ask yourself if you're in any state where you just feel like you're going through it, one question will absolutely change your life. What am I making this mean? And, you know, I go back to that so many times when I think about my rock bottom being depressed, overweight, miserable in my career and writing my suicide letter at my kitchen island in 2012, I was faced with the most important question I was ever going to have to ask in my life. You know, and this is as my marriage was falling apart, my career felt like it was falling apart, my health was a disaster. But I had to decide, is this the end or is it actually the beginning? Is this about living in an unfair universe where my spirit is literally being crushed? Or am I in a learning moment right now? Friend, the only reason that I am here recording this podcast, that I am still alive and thriving nine years later, is because there is part of me that that night as I sat down uh, with this yellow legal pad, I started understanding that, hey, maybe the things that are falling apart in my life, maybe those really don't have value in the first place. Maybe those aren't meant for me. In fact, maybe I'm meant for something so much better. That was the difference that led me to literally rip up my exit note and to sit down and actually write a letter to the universe and start dreaming about what I wanted to create instead of what wasn't working. And it's not like my life has been 100% perfect in the nine years since. I've gone through pain. I've gone through heartbreak. I've gone through tremendous challenges. But it's interesting, if you and I were sitting down having coffee somewhere and I asked you, 
how useful is resilience? How much do you think resilience is a positive trait? You would tell me, oh, resilience is so great. You know, that's a really important part of being an emotionally healthy person. But how do you build the resilience in the first place? You only build it by facing life's challenges and moving through it. Resilience is essentially just putting on spiritual muscle. Think about how you build physical muscle when you go to the gym. What do you do? You push through heavy weights, and then those weights start getting really heavy on the fifth or sixth rep. You push through, and what happens? The muscle fibers in your body start to tear apart. If you're building pecs in your chest, those muscle fibers start to tear. It's actually called microtrauma, which I think is fascinating and totally relates to this spiritual muscle conversation. And through rest and recuperation, those muscles come back together with more thickness. This is how you build physical muscle. But it's also how you build resilience or spiritual muscle. You go through hard times and you push through on the days when you think that you can't. How do you push through? It's all about interpretation or context or meaning that you assign to the events of your life. This is the link between living in a post-traumatic stress disorder, which every counselor and mental health practitioner that I've talked to over the last year and a half, they're very afraid of the PTSD epidemic that is coming once the world literally gets back to normal and we, and we move beyond the pandemic. But this is the link between the PTSD and PTGS, post-traumatic growth. And when you're putting your head in the sand and you're trying to disassociate from everything that's happening, shout out to my new agers out there who just want to love and light the world. I see you. I love you. I respect you. But loving and lighting everything does not promote growth. Now, one other question that I hear a lot, people ask me, well, Dan, is optimism or pessimism a genetic trait? Are some people just born optimist? We tend to believe these things about ourselves. I talked about this a little bit with Sarah Riley on the last podcast, that introverts and extroverts don't really exist. Those are all coping mechanisms, and really neither do pessimists or optimists. Now, there is some science, I want to be clear on this. There are one in three people born with a genetic variation that would force their brain to hang on to negative experiences more tightly than we would hang on to the positive ones. But even though that's a genetic variation, we also realize some people are born with genes of addiction or alcoholism in their family, and yet the genes don't always get activated, right? You can think and condition yourself to become greater than what's in your gene pool. This is the magic of neuroplasticity is we know that your brain is malleable and that you can program it to think any way that you want. So when you start thinking about how you identify in your life, you're an optimist or pessimist, we want to start looking at what was the childhood environment that you grew up in and what were the messages that you got from your family about whether the world is a safe place or not about whether other people were trustworthy or not, about whether you were born worthy of love and abundance and all the great opportunities that exist in the quantum field. Were you told that these things are your birthright? Or did you grow up in a home where you were told, well, you know, this money thing, that's for those other people. It's not for us. We have to struggle. We have to work hard. 
Did you grow up in a home with a parent who told you that men aren't trustworthy or that all women are gold diggers? What was the messaging that you got? Sometimes it wasn't even specifically expressed from your family, but those behaviors were demonstrated in how they showed up and approached life. Were the people who raised you, did they act helpless in the face of challenges or adversity? Or did they rise up? Did they take them on? And did they tell you that you could do the same thing? We really want to start to challenge this belief that you were born a pessimist or optimist. Maybe it might be more empowering for you to realize you have some bad software that was installed onto your hard drive and that you can upgrade the programming. And I know somebody is listening to this podcast today and you might be scoffing and saying, well, Dan, I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a realist. And to some degree, my friend, you are right. Martin Seligman, uh, the doctor from the University of Pennsylvania, did a study on optimists and pessimists and what their life results were. And, you know, we're not talking here about facing the pandemic or, you know, this is just a day-to-day performance issue. And what they realized was is that the pessimists were very realistic In fact, they uh, performed at their expectations at a much higher level. But the challenge is their expectations were low because they didn't really think that they could do the thing anyway. So they would get the life results that were commiserate to that and then say, aha, I knew it. Look at me. I'm such a realist. Here's the thing, though. Optimists weren't as accurate about their ability. In fact, to some degree, being an optimist, it sort of implies that you have to be a little delusional when you start out. The fact that I could ever build a business where I could out-earn a really lucrative corporate media career, that never seemed realistic to me or anybody in my life when I started. But when I held that vision, I ended up getting there. And optimists actually succeed and move forward four to five times more than pessimists, only because they're so delusional that they'll get there, they don't quit. They never give up. They just keep showing up time and time again until they cross the bridge and they reach the goal. So before I leave you this week, I do want to give you some steps that will help you build your optimism without falling into toxic positivity. And the first thing that you have to do is get radically honest with yourself. What is the state of your finances? Are you somebody who's just putting the credit card bill in the junk drawer in the the kitchen and never opening it up? You know, you don't even want to know what's on that bank statement? No, we've just got to rip the Band-Aid off. Let's take a look. If your relationship has suffered and you're a person who had some cracks in the relationship before the pandemic that were actually gaping craters, let's get real about that. Let's be honest with ourselves. If you've been BSing yourself about your career and you know that you're in a job or in a line of work that is no longer aligned with you, let's stop pretending that it will be better if your boss just quits and you get a new supervisor. Let's admit you have something bigger that you want to do in the world. Let's get honest and see things for what they are without making it worse than it is. That becomes a key component of optimism. You know, I I had a couple clients over the past couple of years who came to me and they were carrying so much shame about having $30,000 in debt. And, you know, they were both around that $30,000 number. And sure enough, they both paid it all off. But 
when you're looking at the bill and you're looking at those financial statements, what do you fall into? Do you catastrophize? Oh my God, I'll never get out of this. I'm never going to make enough money. Well, no, not if you're just looking at the limitations rather than getting creative with your possibilities for earning and generating. So see things for what they are without making it worse than it is. We also want to start to name the emotions that you're feeling. It's okay to feel scared, to feel afraid, to feel uncertain about the next steps. But this is all part of the honesty process. So after we name those emotions that you're feeling and we assess where you're at, the third step is what we talked about earlier. What are you making it mean? What is the context or interpretation that you're giving to the event? Is the situation you're going through proof that nothing works out for you and that you are unlovable and that God and the angels have a conference call every morning about how to screw you over and make your life difficult? That's a meaning some people give it. Or do you believe that this is just helping you sort of like sharpen your knife and become even better? That what you're doing is letting go of what isn't working for you because you're stepping into a new level. That interpretation becomes everything because the fourth step that we want to do to create a sense of true optimism is cultivate a vision that is better than what it currently is. You have to be able to see a path forward and see things better than they currently are. And the final step is you have to cultivate an environment to succeed. And when I talk about environment, this is inner and outer environment. Think of it. If you were going to plant a beautiful rose garden, you're not going to do it in shitty soil that's full of weeds. So let's take a look at your environment, including the outer environment. Who are the people you're spending the most time with? Do they speak in a way that keeps the elevator moving up? Do they speak in a way uh, where they focus on possibilities and growth and opportunity? Or are they in that state of learned helplessness where they think that the way things are now is how it will forever be? Because who you hang out with is who you'll become. And I'm not telling you that you have to cut all those people out of your life. That's not always the most loving thing to do, but you better find yourself a community to run with that represents the person you wanna become instead of the person that you've been living as. And then we want to start to think of your inner environment. What are you feeding your mind with? You know, it's like your physical health. If all you did was eat sugary cereal and snack foods, well, you're probably going to have a harder time reaching your goals. And we want to look at what are you feeding your brain? Are you watching mindless TV shows and drinking a lot of wine or having a mixed drink at night to numb out? Or are you reading books that lift you up? Are you listening to inspiring podcasts? I mean, clearly you are because you're a Life Amplified listener. And by the way, you have amazing taste. Let me just tell you. But for every 30 minutes that you spend with me on this podcast, are you also spending 10 hours glued in front of the TV on 24-hour cable news networks that are essentially peddling fear porn to the world? Start to think about that. We want to get a better inner and outer environment that will help you take these seeds of optimism that we're planting and grow it into something beautiful and beyond the scope of what you can even imagine right now. And of course, that's the invitation I always make for you on this podcast. There's multiple ways to do it, uh, to work with me, to join my community at every investment level. 
the amplified monthly membership is an awesome place to start we have such a community of badass people from all over the world who are walking that same path you are and there's so much love and support in the facebook group and of course the fastest way to move forward is to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, which I have very limited availability right now. Things have really been picking up over the past couple months, so space is tight. But if you feel called, if you've been a longtime listener to this podcast, and there's always been that little voice in the back of your head that says, well, one day I'll reach out to Dan. What if one day we're right now? Love to work with you to help you break through to create more passion, purpose, fulfillment, to help you live the life that you're meant to live instead of the one you were conditioned to want. You can go apply to work with me at creativesoulcoaching.net. If the podcast serves you, could you please do me a huge favor? Could you screenshot this and upload it to your social media accounts? Be sure to tag me if you put it up on your Insta stories. You can find me at CSC Dan Mason. Would love to hear your breakthroughs, your aha moments. Are you somebody who has been falling into the toxic positivity trap? And what is the one step that you're going to make to commit to more optimism in your life? We'll shout you out on the podcast in future episodes too as we get those responses. I love you for listening. And don't forget, it's time to turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.